Hello, I'm Emma Forsyth, and you're listening to A Little Forsyth, the podcast where I ask people what would they say to their younger self if they could. I want to know what advice, information, tips or encouragement they would give themselves that will hopefully help or entertain others who listen in too. I suppose you could call it Foresight through the benefit of hindsight. I really hope you enjoy it. I'm Emma Forsyth, and you're listening to A Little Foresight, the podcast where I ask people what would they say to their younger self if they could. I want to know what advice, information, tips or encouragement they would give themselves that will hopefully help or entertain others who listen in too. I suppose you could call it Foresight through the benefit of hindsight. I really hope you enjoy it. So my guest on A Little Foresight today is one of the most beloved figures in Irish sport and he absolutely occupies a special place in many Irish people's hearts, most definitely mine, Mr. Paul McGrath. Hello, Paul. Hi, Emma. How are you doing? I'm doing brilliant. And I just want to say I am so grateful to you for doing this. Genuinely, I I really, really am. Um, So thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem at all. It's a pleasure to... If you ask, I, I, I get it done. <laughs> You're so good. No Thank problem at all, Emma. So, yeah, let's just dive in. Um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, your football in Ireland first. Um, so you played for Pierce Rovers and then Dawkey United. Yeah, they were my, my, um, my first two clubs, really, to be honest. I didn't know that there was any sort of structural, uh, you know, football team that you could play for. So I was only, I think I was about 12 when I first started hearing about uh, this team, Pierce Rovers, who were just up in Sally Noggin, just a few, about half a mile, not even half a mile away from the school. So I was asked by uh, Tommy Heffernan, would I go up there and play for that team? And I think uh, Gramps might have came with me, uh, your, your uncle. Yes. And um and John Young I think came up with us as well. Um somehow Gramps decided eventually that he would he would go down to the St Joseph's or they poached him or something. He tells us all sorts of different stories about that like they they probably gave him a few shillings to go down there cuz he was better than us. <laughs> but uh but, but um so yeah so myself and John Young anyway definitely uh, um played for um, Pierce Rovers and it was it was a lovely way of, uh, um, as I said Tommy Heffernan was the manager and it was just a lovely way to learn football you know at that age we were still so young but we, we some of the players they had up there were, were really great players Les Swan I remember um, Doug McClure it was it, it was just great to, to, to be mixing in an actual proper team and enjoying yourself as well because as I said some of the players were were brilliant players at the time, and it was uh, it was a new experience for me because I, I the only other place I played football was in the schoolyard or or in in Glen Silver where I grew up in Monkstown. That's brilliant. So then you moved on to uh, St Pat St Patrick's Athletic, and you won the PFAI Player of the Year award at the end of your first and only season in nineteen eighty one. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, I moved. I moved to St. Pat's um, um, 
from from Dorky actually, but but and it was great uh, then to, to to move up a level because I thought, hey, geez, this is brilliant. It's going so well that I'm getting pushed from team to team. You could you could you could have put it the other way where you think that these lads don't want me and they're pushing me onto another team and they're pushing me out again. But but it was just that I was. Um, you know, I I was moving up a level. I didn't I didn't really see it that way because I once I was once I was with Pierce Rovers, I thought that I was having so much fun and uh, getting to know the lads and all that was a, a bit of a problem for me. Though. But I loved once I once I knew the lads, I loved them and I didn't really want to move on and move on again and then have to move on again. I wasn't really good at meeting people. But uh, yeah, when I went into uh, Char- I think it was Charlie Walker was in at St Pat's and. Uh, and yeah, that was a, a different experience altogether because they were all grown men at that stage, you know. And I was—I think I was 18 when I moved in there, and I enjoyed the. I, to be honest, Emma, I loved—I loved the challenge of um, trying to beat even older men, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and 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 think see if I was that good to, that I could. I, you know, there was there's some hard tacklers in there though as well who, who tried to take you down a peg or two and, and one or two of them did and, and it was a good lesson for me as well not to get too uh, um, you know not to think I was too brilliant to be fair because they were they, they were strong lads and they, and they knew how to tackle someone so it, uh, I learned one or two lessons very quickly <laughs> So then you we could say you stepped up a level then you went on to Manchester United yeah, yeah, that was that was very quickly because um, I, actually when I played for Dorky, um, um, Billy Billy Bean was 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 the, uh, the 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 Manchester United scout in Dublin. So and and his son actually played for uh, Dorky, which was very handy for me, really, to be honest. <laughs> and so he'd come down to watch his his, his son and uh, and. You know, obviously, while watching the son uh, Terry Terry Bean, he, he, he threw the eye over me as well, and 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 so I was thinking, Jamie Mack, uh, you know, he's an, he's actually a Manchester United scout. Imagine if he might think I was a good enough player to go over there, and so that's that's kind of the way that came about eventually. I mean, Billy Billy Bean used to talk to to the likes of Sir Matt Busby, who was who was. A, a guard over at Manchester United, so it was amazing to me that I, I was getting these um, little kind of notes saying, "Paul, we, we'd like you to come over." And Terry Bean, of course, he was a tough, he was a tough man uh, on the pitch himself, and he used to be saying things to me like, Gee, "If you keep yourself right and keep going the way you are, they they will take you over to Manchester United." You know, so so that was an awful. Um, boost to my to my system that I that I might be taken to Manchester United and I might have a chance uh, of playing over there at what level I didn't know but I just thought what an opportunity oh completely so then I I can't even imagine what it's like going over there and then breaking into the first team must be just something else yeah well it's it's to be honest Emma it's the, it's the actual going over there and seeing the the Frank Stapletons and the, and the, um, Brian Robsons and and uh, Gordon McQueen, when you answer Matt Busby, you see these people walking past you on a daily basis, and I'm I'm in a world of my own. Like I'm thinking, ah, geez, I, I, I'm not really too sure whether I should actually be mixing with these people, with these lads, you know. But it was um, they're, they're so they were so nice. They were just down to Eric lads and that's the one thing I did learn at Manchester United like Lou McCary and, and, and uh, you know Gary Bailey they'd 
they there was for me there were superstars who I'd only ever seen. I think we had two channels in the in the place I grew up and and I only knew that I only knew those people from watching TV. So to see them walking past you and actually saying hello to you and stopping you and saying, I, how, "Do you think you're doing? How do you think you're doing?" and all that, and I hope, Jesus, well, we wish you well and all this. And the next morning you'd be playing the five aside against these lads. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful, a wonderful introduction to English football for me. Wow! And do you have a, a highlight from your time there? Um, from my time with Manchester United. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I think um, uh, winning the FA Cup. I think yeah. with uh, when we were down to ten men. Um. And I, th- I think it was against Everton. Um. I'm not too sure of the year, really, to be honest. But I think big norm. We were. So it was the it was the eighty four eighty five season that you won it. Well, Jamie, Maggie, you're on the ball. You're on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah, but. You know, I'm, we're we're a man down and all this sort of stuff. I got Kevin sent off. He was too slow, and I passed him the ball. And obviously, uh, he kicks Peter Reid up in the air. But then Norm, big Norman, comes to the the rescue. Uh, I think Sparky played him a ball through, and then he he beat um, uh, Neville Southall with a with a with a magnificent shot, really, to be honest. And uh, yeah, we won it that year, and I think that was the the the, the for me the. Crown, crown and glory, really, to be honest, because we'd we'd come second a couple of times and stuff like that. But that was that that was nothing really to Manchester United. Either had to win it, win the FA Cup, or win the league, and we never managed to win the league. I think we were second a couple of times when I was there, but we never we never had won it. So that was a, a disappointment to me. But uh, yeah, the FA Cup would have been the biggest uh, thrill of of, of my Manchester United years. Now that must have been a big one for Gramps, given that it was you, one of his best friends, playing Everton. Oh, oh, de- oh dear, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, do- oh dear, yeah. He still doesn't talk to me about that game, funnily enough, or never has for some <laughs> reason. Um, an Evertonian, true and true, of course. Yeah. But um, surely he's got over it now, has he? He must have. He must have got over the fact that we we beat them with ten men now. You, you never know, probably not. I mean, he, he oh, he's going to kill me for saying this. He hasn't gotten over the red bike that my dad robbed on him when he was about seven, so... Uh, oh, my, yeah. Well, I understand why he hasn't spoken about that game since and never did. Yeah, no, I know Grams is a, is a, is a blue true and true, but, I mean, uh, that was an awful long time ago. He's got to, time to grow up. Simple as that, simple as that. He's, he's, got, he's got to let it go. He's got to let it go. Let it go. So then you moved on to Villa and I actually um, became a Villa supporter purely because you moved there. That, that just shows my true colours. Oh, that, now that's loyalty. That's, that's <laughs> brilliant. That. <laughs> and I was more I was yeah, I love... you as opposed to the team. <laughs> oh, no, but I, I, I honestly loved, loved, loved my time there, you know, because when, when, when United let me go and, uh, and uh, I moved to Aston Villa, it was just like a new lease of life, uh, you know. There was new, there was new kids coming into Manchester United, and uh, myself. He'd let um, Norman Whiteside go to uh, to Everton, and and he'd let me go to Aston Villa. And I always Aston Villa was a club I used to always love playing at, playing against Aston Villa. So I, I love the place anyway. It has a great atmosphere. Yeah. So I I was I was dying to play with that group of lads. 
in 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 their stadium. There was something about that stadium that's uh, magical. So I I I was loving the fact that I would be playing there every second week, like you know, trying to trying to win trophies and stuff for them. So yeah, I was I was I was I was just thrilled to to be moving on to a club that I uh, already did want to want to be with. Yeah, and then while you were there, you you won the PFA Players Player of the Year. Um, you won at the inaugural season of the Premier League, so that must have been very exciting. And also, you're one of only six defenders to have won it. So there you go. Yes, well, that was a, that was a bit strange, really, to be honest, because um, what, what the, the the initial thing that Sir Alex came, Sir Alex Ferguson came to me and said, Paul, we want you to to stop playing football and we want to give you a hundred thousand pounds and um we want you to, to go back to Ireland and forget about ever playing football again. And I, um, Gordon Taylor had said to me, um, and he was with the PFN, he was actually doing the negotiating with Manchester United for me. And he said, Paul, when, we, when me and him walked out of the meeting with Sir Alex, he, he looked at me and he said, Paul, you understand if you really want to play football and continue, you don't have to listen to what Sir Alex has just told you. So I said, well, I... I really do want to want to play football. You know, I don't want to quit just because just I've got a sore knee. I, and and um, so he walked straight back into the office and he said, Paul's not quitting at all at, under any cir- circumstances. So no matter what, what you want to do, you either want him to leave the club or sell him or do whatever you can do, do with him. But he's not, uh, he's not stopping playing football. And I, I, loved, I loved Gordon for that because... Um, he he just made it sure that you know Sir Alex couldn't make me just walk away from football for a hundred thousand pounds. So, and I went to Aston Villa and I played there for I think seven years, and and there were seven years of the best football I think that I I've um, ever enjoyed. So, that's, so thanks thanks to him. That's just amazing. Like it's just amazing. <laughs> it's just ah uh, yeah no no but I, I yeah I think it's hard it's hard for people to understand. But I think Alex knew that I might go on, but he just didn't want me playing with. With one of his, um, you, you know, like because I think Liverpool had made an offer at some stage. Uh, I've been told later from from one of two people in the know that Liverpool wanted me to go there. So, but he just didn't want me to go anywhere except back to Dublin. He didn't want you playing against. <laughs> but I, yeah, he didn't want me playing against. Exactly, he didn't want me playing against Manchester United, which was I took it as a compliment anyway. So absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But but and especially from Sir Alex. But but then they they went on to win every every trophy around the the, the globe. So so he got what he wanted, and to be honest, I got what I wanted because I I honestly did. I love football that much. I would have played for nothing anyway. So but uh, I didn't want to tell too many people that in case they actually said, "Well, you can if you want, Pierre." Um, I'm but, listening uh, to um, Peter that Peter Crouch podcast, and he's talking about his first move. And how he didn't bring his agent with him, and the uh, <laughs> the manager basically pretended that he didn't deal with agents just to get him signed for like a ridiculous amount. And he thought he was delighted. He was delighted with himself, thinking he was brilliant himself. And his dad there, I think he agreed a fee of like eight hundred pounds a week or something. And then the manager rang his agent just to slag him and just say like, "How did you let him do that?" And then he finds out that other oh. players who aren't even making the first team are on like five, six, seven times what he's on. Yeah, but this is the thing, Emma, that, that some clubs did. Like, 
well, it's not like I, it's not like now when everyone tells everyone, you know. But back in the, those days, I think a lot of people, because I remember trying to squeeze one or two things out of the likes of Kevin Moran or, or, or Brian Robson, and because and, I didn't even know. I'm, I'm a kid from Ireland, so I hadn't got a clue what I was even supposed to ask for. Or and and I'd be whispering things to people, saying, "Well, what do you, you know?" When I go into the office, what do you think I should say? Should I say, um, you know? 500 quid or should I say 150 quid or and then no everyone kind of walked past you and started whistling sort of thing as if you didn't hear you right and stuff so no one seemed to want to give you information which I thought was terrible at the time but um, so it was awkward for for people who didn't weren't in the know Um, and I I was definitely one of those people but I I still knew that I was I was uh, because I think one one of the years that the early years that I played with Man United, I got I think I got Player of the Year from one of the the, um, the branches, mm-hmm. and I just started thinking, well, how come I'm only on uh, still only on a hundred quid, uh, and some of the re- reserves that I was because I played in the reserves the odd time when I was coming back from an injury, and I and I was chatting to one or two of them, and I I realised they were on more money than me, and I and I didn't cop onto it like until and when I did, that's when I started walking into. Um, Sir Alex's uh, office saying, um, Alex, would you mind just putting me up on a little higher wage, please? And and he thought he really did feel insulted when I kind of said some things like that to him because uh, he, he he just thought I was being kind of rude coming into his office to talk about you know putting getting higher wages and stuff like that. But uh, ah, it was it was just all, all part of the game, I suppose, Emma. Yeah, I know, and I suppose that's why agents are are handy now, aren't they? Or as you were saying, your um, your PFA, when Gordon Taylor did that for you, it's handy to have yeah. someone else on your side. Oh, exactly, and that's the first time. Um, Gordon Taylor was the first time that I realised that it was a, it, it's such a cutthroat business because I didn't realise that. For one, I never realised that Gordon Taylor spoke to Sir Alex on the exact same level. He wasn't afraid of him. He wasn't, he walked straight in, he talked to him. In fact, if anything, he kind of barked a few orders at him as well, like, and stuff like that. So he was, it was, it was brilliant to see. And, uh, and the, the, the lovely fact that I had on my side that day was that he was, he was talking for me. So he was barking out orders that Sir Alex saying, this is what Paul's going to do. You, you've no saying it anymore. Boom, 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 boom. And I was thinking, oh, keep going, keep going, keep going at him. Have another go at him. <laughs> but, but, but you couldn't really, because Sir Alex turned out to be very good to me um, in times when I needed a bit of a, probably a shoulder to cry on and stuff like that when I, was, well, I had one or two problems. So, and, and, he, and he was always there in, on those occasions as well. So he was doing what was best for, for Manchester United and he always did and even when I went uh, when I had a few problems he, he would always be there and help you out so I'm not it's not just that I'm trying to to, to uh, you know have a pop back at Sir Alex he, he he was a really genuinely nice man as well so I'm not I'm not just I'm not just here to um, say, say he was he, he was a bad he was a bad lad oh as you said he was doing his job and then from from Manchester United exactly. and then when you weren't with them anymore he was on your side so that's great he was he was um you know he was he was a, a very decent man and he always he had me back working at the at the club as well 
when when I totally finished football, so which was a lovely thing. He could have easily just said to me, "No, you caused me too many triple problems. I co- I'm not having you back down here um, in the, in the lounges with with the the fans and stuff like that." But he brought me straight back down and gave us a, gave me a job doing doing mingling with the the supporters and stuff like that, which I love doing, to be honest. The legend. Um, so he was a he was a very generous man as, as well, Emma. Yeah, and uh, and then you went on and you had a, a season with Derby County and a season with Sheffield United. And then it, it must be hard then to kind of decide you're you're finishing up. Yeah, yeah, I, I I played with Derby for one season and I knew that, and the fact that um, Ron Atkinson had known Jim Smith, they were very um, they were colleagues who were very tight sort of thing and um. It was just lovely to play for Jim Smith for for a year because he was a he was a real character, and um, so he was off. He he'd said to me like, if you can keep us up, I'll give you an extra wallop wallop of money and all this sort of thing. And I was saying what, and so I was trying so hard to 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 keep um, Derby in the in the in the champ in the Premiership, which we managed to do like long before the end of the season. So and he was. He was just a lovely, lovely man. We had some great players even back then, um, Dean Sturridge and, and uh, oh, there was some some uh, magnificent footballers playing for them at that time. And I just, I just loved. And uh, yeah, what, we, we had a quite a good team actually at that stage. So, so uh, with two Croatians, I think uh, Stimak and a, 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 a centre half called Stimak and, and another one called Ace in in midfield, who was absolutely a brilliant footballer. So, so you know, they, they, we really knew how to play football. So it was brilliant to play for them then for one season, and then and then I went to Sheffield United for my my very last season. So for me. I mean, I, I have such amazing memories of you playing for Ireland. Um, I I was just saying to you just before we, we, we started doing this, that I remember Gramps bringing me into the airport hotel before Euro 88 to meet all of you and get my uh, all my signature, you know, all my autographs and everything and how, how phenomenal yeah, yeah. all that time was. But how was it for you guys? Um, ah, that was great. It was it was brilliant. I think um, I think Jack, you know, we had all in hand first. Where we were, I think we were a little bit unlucky about not qualifying for anything. Um, we always seemed to have, uh, you know, either bad referees seriously towards the end of competitions and stuff like that. So we never we never really quite made it to any of the major competitions. And then Jack comes along in '86 and suddenly changed the whole thing around, basically changed our style of football as well because Liam Brady and um, Mark Lawrence were around, Ronnie Whelan, who was a fantastic footballer, by the way. Uh, and I mean, these were players that we kind of relied on, on as being the best players in, in the in the team. And then Jack kind of turned the whole thing on its head with, with the long ball game or, not, or to put him under pressure game, which actually kind of... And Jack was such a big personality that when he asked you to do something, you you, you tended to want to do it, <laughs> you know, because he is a he's, he's a very imposing kind of guy. But it wasn't just that he was. I think he was imposing. I think you genuinely wanted to do it for him because you think there's a World Cup winner. He must know what he's talking about. Yeah, of course. And and 
Yeah, and as we, to be honest, Emma, as we start getting one or two results, and we were very hard to beat because I think he'd, he'd Mick McCarthy at the back, um, he'd Kevin at the back, but also Dave O'Leary he had as an, an extra centre half. Mark Lawrence was a centre half, and I was a centre half. So I was thinking, well, I'm never going to play on the team again because, you know, he's got us two centre halves in Mick and, and, and Kevin. And I'm, I'm, so what the hell am I going to be doing? I'm either going to be playing right back or left back or where, wherever, you know, there's someone needs filling in. But we, we kind of learned then just the way he wanted to play the game and stuff. And then we imposed ourselves on a lot of the teams and it actually worked. It worked a treat for us, really. And we started to win games like by the odd goal and um, and suddenly we were we were qualifying for things. So, um, yeah, we, we, we kind of liked the, the, the feel of what, what was happening. And, and Jack was so easy going and, and such a relaxed man. He loved having a pint with the lads even during the day. Like if we were out during the day, sometimes we'd, we'd sing, Jackie, Jackie, give us a pint. And he'd stop the bus and we'd all, we'd all clamber into some pub and he'd say, right, you're allowed two pints of Guinness and that's it. And it, that's what it was, two pints of Guinness and it was home. But it was a great bonding way of bonding with a group of uh, group of lads that you really did like and love. Yeah, and that, that definitely came through how close a team you were. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well. Emma, you, you you said you used to come up to the to the hotel, yeah. and if you, if you if you were in that atmosphere, you did feel like he he loved mingling with the supporters as well. It wasn't a case of it's it's us and them. Yeah. You know, you 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 know everyone was allowed up. You were allowed, um, you know, just if you wanted autographs from the lads or pictures with the lads. Maybe not so many pictures back in those days. But if, but if you did want to just mingle with the lads and stuff, you were allowed to do it, and and he never stopped any of that sort of stuff. In, and in fact, he encouraged it really, to be honest. Yeah, and, and it was brilliant. It, yeah, it was it was a great way for us to relax. To, uh, to be honest, Emma, it really was. And it meant then that I think it, for the fans following you, it, it you you felt like you were even more part of it all because of that. Yeah, well, that was it. Like, like I think uh, in on the first um, the first trip we went away to Stuttgart, I think it was. We had fiddles in, you know, there was lads that played barons and fiddles and stuff like that. And Jack said, bring them into the, make sure those lads get into the the, the camp that was guarded by actual policemen and stuff with guns and everything. <laughs> But but they let a certain amount of the fans in, and we just had a bit of a Kaylee. Like it was it was. It was a brilliant thing to be part of, and 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 some people would think, you know, Jesus, you know, why didn't they wait till it was over and stuff like that? But he loved, he loved um, the way the Irish fans reacted to the to the winning, and and he loved the way we reacted to the winning as well. So and and the combination together just got bigger and bigger, and the more it grew, the more we didn't want to lose. We just didn't want to lose for the Irish supporters. They had spent good money trying to travel over to see us. So it became that thing of, yeah, we 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 all want to win as a as a as a, a country. Yeah, and, and speaking of uh, winning in Stuttgart, how was that game, the England game? Um, whoa, yeah, no. Well, I took a shot. I think I I I was playing in midfield, and I took a shot really early on, and I locked one of my knees, and I knew immediately that I'd done my knee, and I. 
I was limping around for the rest of the game. So I, at halftime, I ran into Mick Vern. I said, Mick, I can't go out in the second half because I'm, you know, my, my left knee, the knee I was standing on, I hit it with my right knee and it only trickled over to, uh, I think it was Peter Shilton, and he just picked it up. But I knew that I'd damaged my knee something first. So, so I went to Mick and I said, Mick, I'm not going to be able to go out for the second half because my I, I whatever I've done, I've torn something in my, my knee. My knee isn't good. And, and Mick Byrne just said to me, Paul, yeah, there's no way you're coming off. You just, just I'll throw ice on it. And he did all the ice thing. And, the, you know, the, he wrapped towels around loads of ice. And, and I was thinking, what does he mean I'm going back out? I can't, I can hardly walk on the thing. So for that... And some people say, you know, oh, you, you did really well in that match and stuff. Like that. And, and I know they're lying because for the second half, I just went out trotting around. I couldn't really move properly. And it was Packy Bonner, I think, that pulled off so many saves. And the lads at the back play, played so, so well. Yeah. But, I mean, I suppose for Irish supporters, you the, the team had got qualified for its first international tournament. And then you go away and you beat England, you know, at the first game. That just something else. I, I, I think that's all people cared about. They just, <laughs> which was a lovely thing for me because I was thinking, I have never played a worse game for Ireland. That day I've touched the ball something like 15 times in, on, in the whole game. And people are, are, are all, they're going to forget that. I knew for a fact that we're going to forget about that. Yeah. Be, be simply because Ray Houghton, um, and it was Aldo, I think, who headed on to him. Well, Ray Houghton just put the ball in their net. So it was, and it, and it was lovely that it was those lads as well, because, uh, you know, people were talking about this thing that we had, we had too many in, English lads uh, playing for us. But it was, it was the English um, connection that came into the Irish squad that. M- m- made that it was such a funny squad of lads to have you know yeah and it was fabulous when Andy Townsend was one of the funniest people I'd ever met I played with Andy at um, in Aston Villa Tony Cass was another one funny as hell Mick McCarthy he'd crack you up anywhere and so it was a lovely group of people to uh to get to know and so we all kind of really grew to be a tight-knit group and um, Kevin Warren and, 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 and Stevie Staunton and people like that. So it was a great bunch of lads to get to know and, and then to start, to start, you know, beat to beat in England it was, was the biggest thing that ever, ever, well, ever happened to me, you know. And I was glad to be, I was good, glad, I, glad, I was glad I did actually say out on the pitch, to be honest, hobbling around, probably just clapping the other lads, whatever they did. <laughs> so then 1990 and... Republic of Ireland qualifies for its first ever World Cup. That's just like it must be just mind blowing to be one of the players who was part of that team. Again, Emma, yeah, just it it it, it didn't seem to be stopping. Like you know, you, you, I think I was wanting to get off for just a, to have a bit of a rest, sort of thing, you know, <laughs> because. Because we were going from one thing, and then we were coming home, and half of Ireland was there to ha- have a have a drink and a laugh with us and stuff like that. And then we we went into the 1990 thing, and that was that was a, a step again, uh, another step on that journey that Jack had brought us on. And it was it was just so amazing because you know Jack, obviously being a, a World Cup winner himself, he had people like I I love that old old commentator uh, Brian Moore. 
who was who commentated in in when I used to watch TV, and and I got to meet him, and that was brilliant for me, you know, because he was the the, the lad who brought football to me, and with that voice of his. But then, and he used to have people coming up to the Bobby Moore came up to the to our uh, hotel because uh, he was a friend of Jack's, and obviously I got to meet Bobby, and I, I was thinking, is this is this actually happening that I'm shaking Bobby Moore's hand? Like that that was it. It was like surreal, but it was. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just a wonderful, wonderful uh, time to be a footballer and to be an Irish footballer in particular with these things happening to you. Then obviously uh, with going to meet the Pope and stuff like that, it, it just kept it just kept throwing up these surprises for us. And and, uh, and again, we still if we won a game or we drew a game or we got through to the next level, we would have the supporters in the in the. Um, you know, in the hotel with us playing fiddles and, and bar arms. It was all, it was the same thing again. But it was great. Uh, like I, the penalties against Romania were just something else as, as a fan. But, you know, I can't even imagine what it was like being on the pitch. Well, well, if, if you see, if you, there's a clip of me actually looking and, and I think if you see my face, I am petrified that someone, <laughs> and I was... I was nearly crying when Jack came onto the pitch because I thought he was going to point to me and say, Paul, you'll take one, won't you? <laughs> and I was going to say, uh, if you don't mind, Jack, I won't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I could not take a penalty to save my life. So I was nearly, I, I was looking away. I was looking up in the stands. I was, I was, I was moving kind of towards the sideline, actually, to be honest. I was sitting down and I, I just wouldn't look at anyone. I couldn't look at anyone because I, I thought if I look at someone, they're going to say, Paul, you, you'll definitely have one, won't you? And, and I was so nervous about, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't have hit the ball straight. I'd have chipped it into his hands or something. So I just said, I, I, I just didn't really kind of catch anyone's eye. Thank God. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, it was just phenomenal. Like it as a, as a supporter, I think possibly it's, it's, you know, one of the, the biggest memories I have being, and I, I would have only been young. I remember I was in the pub with, um, Actually, George's wife, Christine, Christine George, I think, and uh, she may have had yeah. one or two glasses of beer to celebrate. Um, but yeah, so I just I, I, like you do, like you do, like, like you do, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, but I just have such huge memories of that. What how many? What how many years ago? God, what is it? Thirty. Oh. Thirty years ago now, so I don't know. However <laughs> many years yeah, ago, you, this thirty-one yeah. years ago. <laughs> Oh my lord! Yeah, I know. Jeez. And where, where's the time gone? Is what I want to know. I have no idea. But but, but we but we had such great. I mean, Kevin Sheedy. I think as far as I can remember, I think Kevin took our first one. But he yeah. just blasted the thing past him. But but it, it got a little worrying when it went down to Cass and people like that. You know. Yeah. But but to be honest, they all took great penalties, and then obviously the magician um, Packy, our, our savior as usual, pops up and, and saves one from um, yeah, from the young lad, and 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 then it's up to someone who, who's who's had a little problem with Jack before. So I'm thinking, well, I hope he's forgiven Jack for for the time he hasn't been with us, because he could spoil the party now if he wanted to. But but um, Dave O'Leary, that was one of my best. Because I like David an awful lot as well, and he's a fantastic centre half. And to go to have the bottle to go up there as a centre half and hit the ball, strike the ball the way he did was was just fantastic. And uh, and of course, 
it, it, it all the Irish supporters were behind that goal. So to to do it and then we all just charged and and I I, I don't know whether I punched him or or headed him or kicked him. I don't know what I did to him, but I, it was just such a fabulous day for everyone. And then to get to the the quarterfinals and play Italy. I, I know, I know, I know we lost, but still, it's still some achievement to get to the quarterfinals of your first ever World Cup. Oh, yeah. You know, we were we were so excited, but we we weren't that excited that we weren't thinking. And this is true, Scott, Emma. We, we, we were thinking when we got the, we were saying, Jesus, this is Rome now and we're playing Italy. <laughs> And and we knew they'd an awful lot of little little good great little players though, but they were they were smaller than us sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we actually thought, why don't we just why don't we just try and rough them up? <laughs> so <laughs> try and try and well, we didn't we didn't go we didn't actually have that meeting saying that. Yeah. But but we felt but we felt we were were kind of a strong team. So why don't we just go out, keep the ball in the air, keep knocking them down and stuff like that, and have, really have a go. But to be honest, they were they, when you see one or two of them skipping over the skipping over the ground and stuff like that. They are they're a fabulous team to play against. And sometimes we were always just going to be that uh, step or two behind them. When when you see the way their movement was, they were just absolutely brilliant across the field. Yeah. And and then you just you realise, oh, but this might be the step too far. And I I think. Even even as we were passing some of the balls around in the in the um, first half, I was thinking these are these are quite a lot better than us, <laughs> really, to be honest. <laughs> and it, it was sad, but it was but but we still gave our all to try and to try and pull a goal uh, a goal back. But they were they, they Scalacci, that man Scalacci uh, took his goal brilliantly, and um, and. Yeah, they they well deserved. I think he hit the post, then another one, and I and I thought, did that go in as well? Jesus, because it bounced very close to the line, and then you know, I, it, it it was a sad ending, but at least it was Rome, and it was playing against the Italians, and it was a wonderful night, and uh, we we'd given our best again. Yeah, and then on to USA '94, and I think you you had a, a an injury or an illness or something for that, didn't you? I, I did, yeah. I, I we played Manchester United. I think in the, um, I think it was the chart, the the not the charity shield, the the, the I don't know what what it was called then, the Coca Cola Cup, yeah. whatever that one was back in those times. And uh, we, I think we beat them. They they were winning everything around them. I think they won the league. I think they'd won something else, and this was going to be the third thing they won. So. I, and I, I, I used to g the lads up when it was Manchester United we were playing against. I used to kind of go around the lads saying they, they threw me out the club. I come on lads, we can win, win this one. But uh, um, you know, we Daly and Atkinson and, and um, God rest the soul, and 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 we 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 had a really good team. We had Dean Saunders played with us at that stage, and and uh, you know Mark Bosnich, people like that. We had a really good team. And so we got up that morning, or, or that that night, the night before, I'd gone to Jim Walker, the physio, um, and I said, Jim, there's a burning in my shoulder, and I don't know what it is, but I can't sleep. And this is about two o'clock in the morning. And he gave, he just gave me some pills and said, like, just go back to bed, and and you'll be okay in the morning. And it was just, I was in bits in the morning, so they they, they numbed uh, all my all the left side of my shoulder or my arm and down down to to my elbow, sort of thing. 
So I was kind of playing with, with a really bad shoulder, but but everyone else kind of stood up on the day, and we we we, we beat. Uh, I think we beat Manchester United three one. And and but then we had to go on to the World Cup, and and even Jack had said to me, Paul, if you're not fit, you're not coming. You're not coming to the World Cup. It's as simple as that. So Mick Byrne, the genius, um, <laughs> he he was working on me all the time. Um, out at the airport hotel, and he he got me right for the World Cup. So, but it still wasn't right. And uh, when we played the Italians, it it it, it wasn't um, it wasn't right either. So it was awkward, but it was it was it was one match that I got through anyway. But then it, it caught up on me in a few of the other games, I think. Yeah, and and how was it going out to play Italy in that game? You know, after the last World it, Cup, it's one of the. It's one of the greatest feelings, to be honest, Emma, that I've ever had walking out onto a football pitch because we all thought that the Italians would buy up every ticket in that stadium. And the support that we've, we'd had over Jack's tenure, over the three, or over the years, sorry, had just been unbelievable. But, but when I walked out in that stadium, I just thought, oh my, I, I got a little frightened actually because I went, oh my God. It, we we just cannot afford we will we cannot lose in front of our this crowd because this crowd is all Irish. There was there was, there was honestly it, it seemed like there was eighty five percent of the crowd were Irish, <laughs> and and so when when the game kicked off and stuff, I, I we we just said well, we've got to throw everything at it and we've got to try and we've got to try and win. And we knew one they were one of the best teams in it. We we definitely knew that. But we just got. I think everyone just played to the best they could, and it was a, it was it was just a wonderful day for everyone. Um, I think Packy had a few saves to make, which he did, and and we just we ended up um, and Ray again. Ray Ray seemed to always do this down through the years that he'd score one of these amazing goals of his. He, sc- he scored that one a bit early though. That's what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he scores with about seven or eight minutes gone, or, or what was it, nineteen minutes or something like that. I, I couldn't even tell. Yeah, I couldn't even tell because all you're concentrating on is, you know, Ray, Ray, hit it, please, just hit it. If it bounces in front of you again, don't let anyone get near you. Just hit it with your left foot. Hit it. And when he hit it with his left foot, I was thinking, oh, that was a bit stupid, a stupid thing to do. And then you just see it sailing over Paluca, and then and then all all of a sudden, Jamie, the crowds are cheering, and then some of the Irish people are believing. Well, that must be near the end of the game now because you know we're one nil up, and please blow the whistle. You forget you've got to play you've got to play the, one of the best teams in the world, and you've got another whatever it is seventy five <laughs> or seventy eight minutes to do it. And they did come at us, and they did come at us, and. Uh, but but Dennis Erwin was magnificent. I had Phil Babb alongside me. He was only a kid, and he was he was he just played magnificent. He was absolutely magnificent. And Terry Phelan was on the other side. So we we quick lads at the back. Thank God. I I I was probably the slowest, but I was the granddad, so I could tell them where to run and all that sort of stuff. And uh, we managed to get through it. Yeah, and giant stadium. It's it's just it's it's obviously a huge a huge stadium to play in, and I've. I've heard before some of the the players saying that like the sound from the Irish supporters was something else. Ah, yeah, it 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 was it was you know when you heard them singing the songs and the the Molly Malones and all this, 
it was it just added to that you couldn't lose. We just kept saying to ourselves, we were walking around, you know, you'd be you'd be you slapping someone on the arm and going, by the way, we cannot lose today. We can't lose this game. And it was lovely because I, I think sometimes the fans don't realise how powerful an influence they can be. But but on a day like that, when you see that many Irish, it, it's such a boost to your soul. Like I really did. It t- took me. I remember I chased Sanuri one time, and it does take you a while to get into. Your, well, it took, sorry, excuse me. It took me a while to get into my stride as I was. My my left arm was kind of hanging down by my side a little bit, so and I couldn't get into my regular running pattern. And the only thing I could do then was to try and get it back to Packy was to jump in the air and 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 land. And if I, if I missed it, he'd just run in and score a goal. But he was quick as lightning because he was catching me with every stride. And I said, and I was going, oh, I'm not going to make this. I'm not going to make this. And then I just jumped and and obviously Packy had been running out as well. So he Packy just uh, waved and then just kicked the ball away. But I I got it by about an inch. So I was blessed that the ball went back to him. But it was one of those days that you just didn't want to make any any small mistake because it could have been an equaliser, it could have been it could have been a winner for them. You never know. But um, it was a great day to be. It was a great day to be there and to see so many um, so many of our fans there as well. And and how is it when you hear that many people singing "Ooh Ah Paul McGrath"? <laughs> yeah, well, that's another. That's another frightening thing, like because I, I'd, um, I'd I played football. I think we went in '92, and and just for a, a, a kickabout with a few other teams, and but I'd never heard a stadium nearly kind of, you, you know. I'm, I'm thinking it, it's just surreal. You just think, I wonder why they picked, you know, I wonder why they picked that one, and I'm I'm. You're embarrassed, but you're you're kind of delighted as well, you know, because you think, Jesus, is this really happening? Like, am I standing in the middle of this pitch with, you know, ninety thousand people and 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 there's a great number of them singing to uh, Paul McGrath? I don't understand that. But um, as soon as the match starts, though, you forget, you forget, you you don't care who's singing what. You just know that you've got to deal with the the things that come your way and. And I think everyone has that, every footballer, I should say, has that switch in them that just goes off. And then no matter what they're singing, you, you have to concentrate on the on the people you're playing against. And and the people we were playing against that day are, were, were some fabulous footballers. And because and, and, they went to the final, obviously, and um, they, they were a serious outfit. So it was, it, was, it was a magnificent result for us because it was the first time I think we'd beaten Italy. But it, but it was still a scary kind of experience because if you you know if you make one mistake you you'll be punished for it. Yeah, oh no, it just must be something else. Do people still sing that song to you? Um, well, it depends on where I am and where I go <laughs> and what what I'm doing. Yeah, but there there are there are some lovely. I go over to Aston Villa. Well, I I did before the pandemic yeah. stuff and all that. Like and 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 I love going there and I love meeting. Um, all the, the people at Aston Villa and stuff like that. And the whole thing sometimes, if, if they know that I'm there and stuff like that, they'll sing some funny, some very funny songs to me. So just to remind me, they were, they have, they used to, because I used to go on, I'd go missing the odd time and things like that. Yeah. And they used to have all sorts of songs that they sung, sung back to me when I, when I would, would arrive back on the pitch and stuff. 
but they were always gracious, really good with me and stuff like that. So and that's why I love I love going back there and I love I love uh, the whole thing and I love um, I love Aston Villa and I love being back there and I love going back to Manchester United as well because it's a place that I that I played some good football as well and and I enjoyed the people. Um, that were there because they were all also very good to me, you know. And everywhere I've been, I've always found that, you know, the people are are so decent that that uh, I, I I still go back and they still remember some of the things, some of the games that I played for them and stuff like that. And I, I I'm forever grateful uh, about that. I actually have a, a t-shirt here from your testimonial dinner. Your IRA. Oh. Yes, I do. Yeah, you're <laughs> But then there is an actual signature to me on the front. So <laughs> that was in, was that in oh, 97 when you retired from, this is from your Ireland now, from your Ireland testimonial. Was it 97 that you retired? That that was 97, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, and the, 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 I, the, I was with um, Sheffield United and I think, uh, I remember that the very day that I decided to retire, because I, I think I was playing against, um, who was it I was playing against? I think it was Ipswich or someone like that. I remember, but I had such a bad game that day that, and I kept giving the ball to their centre forwards, and then they kept running at me and, and trying to go by me and stuff like that. And I remember thinking to myself, what? Oh, what are you doing? What is happening in your mind that you're doing this? You keep. You keep giving the ball to the centre forward, and then he keeps running at you to try and score a goal. What? So after that, after that very game, I went into the chairman's um, the chairman's office, and I just said, uh, "You don't have to pay me anymore. I'm 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 going to leave today. <laughs> I'm quitting." <laughs> and and that was that was the way I left football. I I just I just couldn't play anymore. I really just couldn't play. So you just needed to set your partners up. Yeah, I knew my time was up at that stage because it was just, it just got too too difficult, really, to be honest. And uh, how many how many operations did you end up having on your knee in the end? Um, on 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 both my knees, I've had uh, I think it's about I think it's well, I'd say ten on both okay. knees. Or sorry, it's probably four on one and six on my right knee. God. And um, I've had my my Achilles scraped on my I think that's my left yeah and I had that done twice on my uh, my Achilles so you can kind of understand how possibly it was it was time to uh, to hang up short although I can't imagine how hard it was but yes (laughs) ah yeah yeah no you I think every footballer knows himself when um, you know when you're not running as fast as you used to be or when people are making a bit, a bit of a fool of you, and I never wanted to be the one who. I used to still think I was as quick as I, I always was, and I used to think, you know, I, I can still pass, pass a ball thirty yards over someone's head, and, and then I was, I'd, I'd try it sometimes when I was playing with Sheffield United, and it just wasn't working, and it was going to people that it wasn't supposed to be going to, and for that reason, I just, I just walked off the pitch one day saying, well, that. I, I can't keep doing this because I'm I'm stealing a living from the from the Sheffield people and the chef people from Sheffield were be, were just lovely people they really were and it was the same with Derby I got to know the, the people at Derby I got to know Jim Smith 
and you never want to you never want to cheat the people you're working for when they're when they're all they ever were doing for me was just trying to give me they, they, they used to come up to the hotel that I was staying at because I used to come down the night before and all that and I used to stay in a hotel and they used to say is there anything else we can do for you Paul do you want anything else and I used to think how lovely are these people that they're they're looking after me like this like uh, and when I knew I couldn't give give them um, what they were expecting from me, then I just I, I just thought it'd be best to be honest with them and say say good luck, you know. But I'd still go I'd still go back to, to those two places as well to watch games because I love I love the fact that I have a relationship with all, all the clubs that I've played for, you know. So that that's always good. Well, that's a testament to the person you are, um, and just <sighs> now now that you can sit back and look back at it all you know, from the outside in, how, how is it to know, and, and whether you believe this or not, but how is it to know that you were absolutely one of the greatest ever players to play for Ireland? How, you know, how does that make you feel? Um, oh, no, it, it, <laughs> I, I, I honestly feel blessed that I got the chance to play for Ireland and, 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 and meet um, the players, all the players that I met on my first day walking into the uh, the Irish setup and stuff like that because I was I was a huge fan of um, Frank Stapleton's, uh, Dave O'Leary's, and Liam Brady's. Liam Brady was my my, my favourite player, and I mean meeting them and then you know the John Giles thing. Like John Giles was was a huge hero of mine. So these are that they're all people that I got to meet and I know now that are. And I would still call them friends of mine. Yeah. So I, I have kind of been blessed in, in the football world where I've got to meet these people and I can now call them friends. And um, it, it's just great when you, at certain times of the year, if we're, if we're doing something together or if we're this golfing thing or whatever, and you meet you meet those people again. It's just it's just lovely that you know I was accepted uh, in Ireland as as a, as a footballer. And I was thought of as, as 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 a reasonably good one as well. So that's that's a huge bonus for me. But it, it, I think the ten years that I, I I'd spent with with Jack Charlton and and the team, I've, I've never had a uh, I don't think a greater bunch of of, of pals um, and friends that 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 I, that I would call you know kind of lifetime friends. We I don't know we had some sort of bond going with that group that that um, the Nile Quins and the Steve Stones and the people who came in during that tenure of Jack's, it, it was just and Ronnie Whelan in particular, Gene. There was there's some lads that maybe didn't get the the amount of time on the football pitch, but that they should have got. It was it was an amazing um, thing for me to be involved in that, and I, I'm I'm so proud of the Irish people as well, the supporters who came out, and they didn't act lavish or, or, or yobbish, sorry, excuse me, or, or um, you know disrespect any of the teams that we were playing against and I, I used to love hearing on the news that we we, we were always uh, you know um, behaving properly and showing respect for the other teams because that's what football's about and that used to always give me a great boost as well so yeah I, I just loved the fact that I, I'd played uh, I'd played for my country and um, we, we we meaning the crowd as well uh, just just Gave people a lot of laughs and a lot of uh, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of good times. Yeah, no, it's just it's it was an unbelievable time in in Irish football, absolutely. So you wrote your back from the brink, your autobiography. How how was writing that? 
Yeah, well, um, it was it was um, yeah, it was strange. Vincent Hogan was the, the the main man behind that, and he'd 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 he chose to write in a very strange and different way, like from all the people that I'd known through my football careers and stuff like football career and and things like that. So he made it a lot easier for me, basically, because he was he went to Frank Stapleton, he went to Kevin, he went to Jack, he went to. Um, uh, Sir Alex and stuff, and they all gave little insights into who they thought I I was, sort of thing. And I thought that was a very interesting. And and Vincent Hogan's a, such a talented uh, um, writer as well. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, it, it, it was it was hard for me to parts of it because it. I didn't want my children to be even while they were were worked definitely. Because it was a tough, it's a tough read, you know. It's a, yeah. uh, it's a, it's a hard, yeah, it's a hard, a hard book to, uh, to, to, to try and explain. I didn't want them uh, reading until whether they read it, and I'm sure they have. But um, yeah, I wanted to get it down and get it out there. I didn't even think, as as m- m- most lads who write their first book or their second, well, that was actually a second book. But most lads who, who write a book with that sort of honesty in it, and I was only going to do it. I, I've said that to Vincent. I'm only going to do it. I'm allowed to tell the anguish I felt about certain things and the the horrors I, I felt about how sometimes football isn't as glamorous as people think. Mm-hmm. Um. And he said, "Yeah, no, that's the way we'll do it. Whatever way you want to do it, we'll do it your way." And and it was a, just a brilliant uh, way, way way of doing it. But uh, yeah, I was delighted to get some of the things out there. And then I wanted to tell them about the high the highs as well because there's, you know, meeting Jack Charlton was one of the best things that happened to me as a footballer because he had, he believed in me that I could be. I didn't think I could ever be a, a midfielder, one of these people who could break. The, the play up and, and and win the ball back for someone else who's who's a little more talented. And let them use start using the ball properly again, you know. But that's the way it worked out, and I love I love the job. I I love that kind of job he gave me. Yeah. Um. And I didn't. And I honestly, Emma, never thought I would. I thought, Jesus, Jack, why are you putting me in here when it can be, I can be tackling people from who are trying to score goals against us, <laughs> you know. But of course, Jack knew best. <laughs> You had a, a great relationship with with Jack, which is is well documented. Oh yeah, he he. But he, but to be honest, I think all the lads bought into it and did start listening to every word he said because it seemed no to, no matter what he said, he it, you'd be thinking back at the end of of a day when the match was over and stuff, like, and you'd be thinking, you know, some how did we win another game against a better? A team that supposedly are a better side than us, technically they're better players, and yet we've won the game. And how is he so? He can't be just luck. He can't be luck that he keeps doing this. And and but then he he'd, he'd want to join in all the games, the drinking games, and all that. So I we we you couldn't love him anymore. <laughs> he wants to be on. He he wants to be into everything. To be honest, Emma, you know, and that's what we loved, loved about him. He wanted to be. He wanted to be one of the lads and be the boss and be the, you know, so it was, it was great. It was great. I know. And, and obviously the relationship everybody had with him completely and utterly came, I suppose, came through in the way that you played for him and, you know, with each other. It, it was just, as I've already said, just something else, just a time in, 
in Irish football that hopefully we might we may see again. But uh, you know, just it was just unbelievable. Yeah, and and that that's the the the, the memories he's left me with uh, with the Irish team. And again, I always do mention them, the supporters, the the the, the love that we had for each other. It wasn't just it wasn't just twenty three lads going out in the plane or twenty eight lads or thirty forty, including staff, going out in the plane and trying to win something. Half half of Ireland used to come with us, and we knew they were just as important as every one of the players because we needed them to show an Ireland to people that was well-behaved, loved to party, could party, and didn't have to be rude to people when they did party. And it was, a, it was just a, it was a wonderful atmosphere to be in. And then um, it, 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 you know, it just took over, and we had, we had this reputation of being a, a really decent country, a really decent country. And then, obviously, people started visiting the place and, 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 and finding out for themselves how... how this Ireland reputation thing got got uh, you, you know got where it uh, it, it got us. Yeah. Um, it was brilliant. It was just brilliant. It was just a brilliant time to be Irish. It was a brilliant time to play football, and it was a br- brilliant time to have Jack Charlton as a manager. Yeah, and you mentioned you touched on it slightly when you were talking about the autobiography, but but somewhat about the anxiety that you went through. Um, and now, obviously, people are becoming more aware of anxieties, so. Do you feel it, it's it's getting easier and and better for for people, particularly people who are well known or who you know, to kind of be honest? Because you were very honest in in your book, which probably helped a lot of people too. Yeah, no, I I, I had this thing of where um, if I, if I was allowed, if I could just have played the games and just went home and closed all my doors and stuff, that that would have been a lot easier for me and stuff. But, but then I. Um, I could never understand this thing of someone would tap you on the shoulder and say, Paul, can you do the TV or can you? And I said, no, I can't. I don't like TV. I don't like walking out there. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't. Because I wasn't. Uh, um, we've met we've an awful number of years ago. We won't say how many now. <laughs> but <laughs> but I've never been good at, at, at um, you, you know, um, standing out front and doing the TV thing with the camera, yeah. you know. Uh, there's certain people that I like in the media that I would kind of at uh, a push to do certain things for and stuff like that. But I, I'm never going to be one of those people who, who who's um, great out 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 front for the for the for the team. Mm-hmm. And the lads know, knew that, and the lads protected me an awful lot as well. Out of uh, you know, they, they they they'd stand, they'd go out themselves rather than if, if they heard someone saying, "Paul, do you want to do this?" and they knew I. They knew I just couldn't because I wasn't very, I was very, very shy and stuff like that. So, and and again, that's what that's what that's why you have the love of the 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 group because they knew who I was and they wouldn't they wouldn't have people kind of bullying you to go out somewhere where you, they know they knew you didn't want to. And that's why I loved I loved them as well because it was uh, you know everyone protected everyone. It was certain things that some lads can do then they were obviously they'd go out and do them but if there's things that some people didn't want to do the other lads would 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 do them so and uh yeah we protected each other we did and we and we held those things kind of sacred like like don't start annoying people just because they don't they they don't do all the sorts of things you think they can do and stuff so there was there was a lovely balance to that whole uh whole setup there really was that's brilliant. 
are you do you feel a little bit more comfortable now going on the TV or do you still do you still hate it? Um, no, I still don't like. I still don't, honestly don't like doing TV, and yeah. I don't. I don't think there's. It, it's a huge problem, you know. I just think. I, I just think I've been, you know, I've been so lucky in my life that I've been able to do one of the one things that I love the most uh, on the planet, and that is to be able to kick a, a bag of wind around. I really, I, I feel blessed that that I, I could earn my living that way, yeah. and I, and. Um, and then it's like 35 years or whatever it is later well, since I finished and people still are still asking me questions about it. And I, I, I think that's just incredible, really, to be honest. It really is incredible. But I love, I love talking to people one-on-one about football and, and games that I've seen or games that are coming up and stuff like that. I love talking about football because it's all, you know, I've grown up being a football and I, and I love it. And, um, yeah. So I've, I've been really lucky. I've been really, really lucky. And uh, and I've been lucky to have the friends that I've had because um, your uncle's still a, a great friend of mine and um, some of the lads that I went to school with and Sally and Ogden are still great friends of mine. And I think that's, that, that, that tells you something about, about how good, good they are as well. You know, we're, we're still great mates. Yeah, that, that's brilliant that you still have, have those. I, I, the one picture of yourself and... Gramps that stands out for me is I think you're standing is it near Liberty Hall or somewhere like that and it's just so hilarious because he's he, he wouldn't be the tallest <laughs> and uh, you're quite tall. <laughs> he wasn't as, he wasn't wearing his um his uh, boots that night the the bomber boots was he? <laughs> the, yeah his heels he wasn't wearing his heels that night he's gonna love me <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he is gonna get you back for that Emma don't you worry he'll get you back for that. You mark that down in the little black book, don't you worry? (laughs) And so so now, so you've been doing, you've been doing a lot of walking for charity and and stuff like that, and and so how is that just something you just decided in the pandemic? You're just gonna, even with the knees, you're just gonna head off out in the street. Yeah, no, no. It's it's uh, well, I live down in Wexford now, so and there's there's areas that I can walk and stuff like that. So, and in a month, then I always try and get get a hundred and something miles done walking and, and and give it to the local charities down here. And it's not that you know, it's just something to do to keep to keep a little bit of weight off me, probably. But as well as that, to try and make a few pounds for the local. It's, it's, it doesn't make much money and stuff like that, but it, the little money it does. There's some great causes down here. And, and, and Tracy, I think you've met, she, she works with Acquired Brain Injury Ireland. And that's, that, to me, is a, just such a fabulous, um, fabulous charity. And I, and I love... I've been up there to see the work they do and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's nice to just be able to give a little bit back and and um, and as I said, I've been up and seen the the, the work that those people do, and it's amazing. So it, it's 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 kind of humbling to to you know just to to, to say you know that there's a few quid we collected and stuff like that, and then and then we do another another one the next uh, the next month, myself and Pat. And uh, yeah, it just makes us feel good. Uh, it's 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 keeping keeping a little bit of weight off, and it's it's earning some, uh, some charity, a couple of bob. So at the moment, is it, it's pretty much walking and playing golf. That's the two the two uh, big things. 
Well, yeah, yeah, walking, playing golf, and and um, just working out what, what way I'm gonna because um, I still have to make a living. I've, I've, yeah. I've you know six six kids, and uh, so and 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 quite a few grandkids, <laughs> um, five of the grandkids. So it's all. Uh, uh, granddad, I've just seen this tracksuit, and uh, you know, and I'm saying, well, yeah, I wonder. You wouldn't happen to know the price of it, would you? <laughs> but it's great. It's I, I love life at the moment. It's just been a great. It's it's a great experience, and I know people are worried about the the pandemic and all this sort of stuff. But I think, I think you can watch too much of that TV and the news and being told what to do when you can, when you can wave your right hand out the window when you can put the you know, when you can walk on the grass, when you're, you can, I don't know. It's well, just a strange like, world. That, it is. And we're, we kind of feel now like we are slightly coming out of it a little bit with the vaccinations and stuff. It, feel, it feels it feels a bit brighter. Yeah, it does actually, to be honest, Emma. Yeah, it, it, it does. And, I, I, you know, you just want the world to, to go back to, to when people are allowed to hug each other and just say hello to each other and, and you don't want to be bar- getting orders barked at you every two minutes and, and seeing rows of traffic where police are, are, are being, you know, they have a tough job to be doing. And yeah. it's, it's, I think everyone's on edge, really, to be honest, because we want to know when this thing's going to be over and when we're going to be able to just, uh, you know, maybe go on our holidays again or not. Or not, or, or not. You know, I, I, I need my kids to come here and just say hello to me from time to time. So... I'm looking forward to get when 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 that time comes. Yeah, and, and as you said, hugs. That's that's one thing I definitely miss. It's, and I wonder will we will we go back to greeting people quite as easily with with a little hug? Hopefully, we will. Oh uh, yeah, of course we will. Of course mm-hmm. we will. I I I'm definitely going to be hugging people. I'm telling you because I, I, I'm a hugger anyway. So <laughs> anyone comes into my um, jurisdiction, uh, they, they better be ready for a bear hug. Yeah, and I, yeah. So I'm just going to read out a quote from Jack Charlton. Just um, so Paul McGrath is one of the all-time greats. Someone to compare to Bobby Moore. He's one of the best players I ever had. Oh lordy! Ah, <laughs> uh, that well, he he was he was he was just one of the he was he was just one of those men that came into my life and and made such a difference uh, to my to my whole world and uh, you know I'd miss him I've, I've watched one or two things on TV about him and stuff like that but it's it's hard known he's not uh, he's not with us anymore and I, I love the man uh, an awful lot and and not wanting uh, to just speak about anything too upsetting but obviously you you lost your your lovely fabulous mum Betty as well so it's been it's been a tough time yeah um, yeah, yeah, it was a very tough time. Um, my mum, my mum died as well, and uh, and that was t- tough, tough going. Yeah. It was tough to watch. Um, but but you know, she she brought me up to be the person that, that I am, and and she she did a great job of it as well. So I've nothing but I I I I really am so grateful to my mum that she brought me back to Ireland. Um, I was born in London, then came back to Ireland, and uh, you know, so and she was always there for me. You know, I could I could ask her anything, and and she I think she knows that I loved her so much, and um, we had a great uh, um, mother and um, son relationship. So 
yeah, and she was a very, very funny woman. So, uh, you know, I couldn't have asked for more. So, you know, but I but I do miss her something fierce. That's true. And it is great now that you can take all the amazing things that she did uh, and you have your six children and your five grandchildren to, to pass it down to. Exactly, exactly. All the laughs and stuff like that. And that's what that's what life's about. Absolutely. That is completely what life's about. And I'm, I'm delighted to hear you saying earlier that you're loving life. And it's it's sunny southeast today, especially, I'd say, it was pretty amazing to be down there. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just a beautiful place to be. And uh, as I say, we're out, we're out golfing and have, having a bit of crack. And it's, it's, just, it's just fun down here. A lot of the people down here are, are, are they're very strange people, actually, I have to tell you. <laughs> no, no, no. They think, they think obviously, because I'm from Dublin, they think I'm, I'm the strange one, but it really is them. Of course it is. But I, but I do love, but I do love them and I love the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say once again, thank you so much, Paul. Like I, I really I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I'm very grateful and I can't wait until we can grab another cup of coffee together when all of this is over. Uh, anytime, Emma, yeah, as you know, um it's always a pleasure and love meeting up with you and, and having a bit of a laugh. And uh listen, you take care of yourself as well. Mind yourself. Thanks, Emil. Thank you so much for listening to A Little Foresight. If you enjoyed it, please share with others and like and subscribe. If there's anyone you'd like to hear on the podcast, or if you have any questions or just want to chat about anything spoken about, please do get in touch. It's A Little Foresight on Instagram and Little Foresight on Twitter. Take care and stay safe. Thank you so much for listening to A Little Foresight. If you enjoyed it, please share with others and like and subscribe. If there's anyone you'd like to hear on the podcast, or if you have any questions or just want to chat about anything spoken about, please do get in touch. It's A Little Foresight on Instagram and Little Foresight on Twitter. Take care and stay safe.